0: Welcome to this podcast, Emerging Markets and International Capital Flows. I'm Usman Hayat from CFA Institute and joining me to discuss the topic is Dr. Tarun Ramadurai, who's the Program Director of the Oxford International Investment Program at Saeed Business School, University of Oxford. And this program is offered by the Said Business School in partnership with CFA Institute. Welcome Dr. Ramodurai. Good to be with you today. My first question to you is, there is a concern among policymakers in some emerging economies that they have been unfairly affected in the credit crisis; that they have suffered for developments which have taken place outside their economies. How would you comment on that?
1: Um, well, many of the emerging markets, uh, including India, China, and Russia, experienced huge equity price falls during the uh, the recent crisis. Now, this was perceived by many of them to be uh, really unfair treatment simply because uh, if you look at the, what the troubles during the credit crisis, they were mainly troubles of the Western world. So, the US um, and the UK had engaged in enormous amounts of subprime lending. Uh, as a consequence of real estate prices falling slightly, there was uh, an avalanche of activity on that front. Um, And suddenly it also seemed like the emerging markets were being affected even though their banks had not suffered the same kinds of troubles and they hadn't uh, made bad loans of the same type. Now, this goes back to something which we discussed during the course of the International Investment Program, which I think is a very important channel. Uh, And the channel is that if there are uh, market participants that exist in the US that are funding positions that are taken by funds uh, in emerging markets, Uh, When those market participants in the U.S. pull money out of mutual funds that invest in India or in China or in other emerging markets, then that then causes those funds to cut their positions that exist in those countries. And so that's a clear channel of crisis transmission that may have nothing to do with whether the market, such as India or China, actually has anything fundamentally wrong with it in terms of the economy. So in some cases, uh, I mean, there may be justification for... Uh, the statements by many of the emerging market policy makers that they were unfairly affected during this crisis. It turns out that this crisis also represents something of an opportunity because if you can predict when this channel is going to kick in, then it provides you with an opportunity as an investment fund to step in and provide liquidity at these times and capitalize on the returns that you can make when the equity prices eventually bounce back, which they have done in this case.
0: Regarding the impact on emerging market economies, how would you compare the credit crisis with the earlier Asian financial crisis?
1: So, at that time, during the Asian crisis uh, in 1997, many of the emerging markets had a very similar perspective uh, on the troubles that they faced at that time, which is that they had somehow been unfairly affected, um, simply because uh, if you looked at the statements of some of the policymakers around that time, like Mahathir Mohammed in Malaysia, uh, he was basically accusing foreign speculators of being bandits who would come into the country and then on a whim. Leave the country and immediately then cause huge movements in equity prices as well as um, currency uh, values. Now, that's a little bit dif- different. That's a, that's a slightly different situation. If you know that equity capital flows predict movements in stock returns in various countries, then one observation that's consistent with that is that maybe they're causing those movements. Another observation that's completely consistent with the same fact is that uh, perhaps what's actually going on is that the the people who are putting in or taking capital out actually know something about what the future holds for the underlying fundamentals of those economies. So this is a situation that needs to be contrasted from what's happening in the current, current credit crisis, where it's pretty clear that the channel of transmission in this current one had nothing to do with the fundamentals of the economies. In the Asian crisis you can actually make the argument that foreign speculators Well, speculators is the the term that people use for it today. But foreign investors actually had a a pretty good idea that the fundamentals of the Asian economies that were attacked at the time were were in some way weak. So maybe there were issues of corporate governance, which subsequently were revealed. There may have been issues of macroeconomic instability. And they just saw the writing on the wall and pulled capital out a little early. Then you saw the equity price falls and the currency declines. And so if you connected the two together, you might think that they had caused it, when in fact perhaps they
0: just foresaw it. You've talked about movements in equity prices. What about movements in currencies, particularly in the short term?
1: So currency movements are incredibly fascinating because there are very clear theories about currency movements in the macroeconomic literature. Uh, It so happens that none of these theories works when taken to the data. Uh, So I mean, I think it would be no exaggeration to say that we haven't been able to find, academically speaking, a single theory of the exchange rate that when actually taken to real data uh, at horizons of under 12 months uh, or 14 months have any ability to predict what's going to happen to currency movements at all. Over longer periods of course those fundamentals do seem to matter so relative GDP growth rates or relative inflation rates across the two countries or the level of the money supply in two countries. These things are pretty useful at determining what happens to exchange rates at longer horizons. At short horizons, it actually turns out that some of the things that we've been talking about, about crises, the capital flows of investors, actually turn out to be very useful at both explaining and forecasting what's happening to exchange rate movements. So one of the things, again, that we talk about during the course is exactly how to think about the relationship between capital flows and exchange rate values and not just equity prices. And it turns out that there's a very, very strong ability for capital flows to predict um, foreign exchange rate movements at horizons of up to one or two months. So, in a sense, order flow or capital flows provide the missing link that reconciles the apparent inconsistent behavior of exchange rates at the short and the long-run horizons. Now, why is that the case? It turns out that one reason that that might be the case is because short-run capital flows into the currency are quite different from short-run capital flows into equities, have nothing to do with information, but simply push prices around in some way that then subsequently gets revealed once the economic fundamentals materialize and over the longer horizon those economic fundamentals reassert themselves in determining what the currency's value should be. And what
0: is the role of corporate governance in these international capital flows?
1: So corporate governance is a very interesting topic Um, and it's interesting because it forms a very large component of the worries of most foreign institutional investors and even individual investors when they're investing in any of the emerging markets. The main concern for many of these investors is that aside from the usual concerns that drive the expected return from the, from the investment, one big concern is also whether they're going to be able to recover any of their investment at all, because the legal system may not provide adequate protections for them to withdraw their money in the event that there's a fraud or the corporate governance system in the country doesn't work quite as well as it should. Uh, what's interesting about this in relation to the answer to one of my previous questions, which is the Asian crisis is some commentators at the time um, came out with this quite interesting theory uh, that what actually drove um, the behavior of the capital flows in terms of their predicting fundamentals was the fact that they were very worried about corporate governance concerns in some of the emerging markets in Asia uh, around that time. So I think corporate governance has a big role. It's something that we we discuss uh, quite extensively. Um, especially in light of what's happened recently. So the Satyam fraud in India was a very big corporate governance scandal. And so even though this company was listed on the New York Stock Exchange, it didn't really prevent the uh, managers of those companies from stealing blatantly
0: from their outside investors. And finally, how would you summarize your observations regarding international capital flows and emerging markets?
1: Okay, so we started with uh, talking about what the current situation uh, had to do um, with our understanding of of the behavior of international capital flows uh, in the current credit crisis. Uh, We also linked that uh, to the Asian crisis um, and talked about how currency movements and corporate governance played a role in some of these situations. Um, What I think I'd like to communicate uh, is a flavor of the fact that studying international capital flows is enormously complicated um, because there are so many different reasons that drive international capital flows. The thing that's very important to recognize is that by studying international capital flows, both inside and outside of crises, we may be able to get a a very good understanding, especially of how investors should be investing, because the behavior of international capital flows in in the past gives you an index as to how those investments actually performed in various different situations. So when we're thinking about international investments... We, we can use that experience to try and um, guide our understanding of how best to make our investments going forward, both in emerging markets, in and out of crisis, and how we deal with questions of, of currency returns as well as corporate governance in, in a sort of holistic,
0: integrated picture. This concludes our podcast, Emerging Markets and International Capital Flows. Thank you, Dr. Ramadurai, for joining us, and thank you for listening. Copyright 2010 CFA Institute. No part may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, electronic, mechanical, recording, or otherwise, without the express prior written permission of CFA Institute. This program is designed to give accurate and authoritative information in regard to the subject matter covered. It is distributed with the understanding that CFA Institute is not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, tax, investment, or other expert advice. If legal advice or other expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought.